0: Change the world, change the world. Oh, yes, can. We can change the world, we can change the
1: world, change the world. We this can. is the Santita Jackson Show.
2: Hey everybody, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show, one day before the midterms. Have you voted? Will you be voting tomorrow? Do you have a plan? I'm Santita Jackson, coming to you from WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, and AM 950 radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. Oh boy, what an exciting time it is. All of these big races are tighter than this. But yeah. polls don't vote, you do. So I want you to get out there and vote everybody if you need to find out where you need to vote uh, and if you need to find out also... Uh just if your registration has been compromised, because a lot of people are still getting purged from the rolls, need you to do this. Need you to go to uh, vote.org, vote.org, find out about your registration uh, status. We'll be asking Daryl Jones what happens if you've been purged the day before the election. We're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. And then I want you to find out exactly where you need to go vote. Uh, the precincts, we closed more than 100 in Chicago. It impacted more than 100,000 voters. We saw that just this past June. That's happening all over the country. You need to know exactly where you need to go vote. And if you have trouble at the ballot box, or the drop box, if you have trouble at the polls, just outside the polls, inside the polls, intimidation, you have, if you have any questions, do not leave before you've cast your vote. And do not leave before you speak with one eight six six hour our vote those are lawyers who are on standby, who will help you, uh, who will walk you through the process so that your vote will count. I'm Santita Jackson. We're talking midterms today, everybody. We're talking midterms. We're talking with Delia Ramirez, who's on track to become one of the few Latinas to go to Congress, excited about talking with her, and uh, former president of the National Organization of Women, former national president, a civil rights attorney, Terry O'Neill, and, of course, Attorney Daryl Jones, Voter Protections R- Attorney Robert Petillo. And um, and Rodney Ellis, Commissioner Rodney Ellis, Texas Harris County Commissioner Rodney Ellis. What's happening in Texas? We're going to try and give you a snapshot of what's happening all over the place. We're going to have State Senator Vincent Hughes from Pennsylvania with us tomorrow. And Latasha Brown and all kinds of folks to tell us about what's, talk to us about what's happening everywhere, including here. Uh, because we're looking at a gubernatorial race that is surprisingly tight. Surprisingly competitive. No one really expected that. And so we'll see what's going on. But, you know, there's Chicago and there is Illinois, I think, uh Pastor Jeanette Wilson. And I think we need to understand that when you drive just outside of Chicago, they play country and western music. No shade. I'm a musician. I love music. I love Patsy Cline and Janice Wayne and the Judds. I love them all. If it's great music, Loretta Lynn's got my heart. Boom. I'm loving it. Loving it. Vince Gill, don't let me call the roll. I love it. But it's another culture. It's another culture, and you have that. Here you have it in New York State. I mean, you have it all over the United States. That's why the electorate is split. So I want you to call me today and let me know about the vote. You don't have to tell me how you voted, but I want you to know, I want to know how you feel about voting. If you want to talk about whom you voted for, you can do that too. But um, you're not going to be judged either way. I just want you to get out and vote. Even though I have my preference, and I've talked to you about this, my desire... And my fight is that every American, whatever your political affiliation, has equal access to the polls and to a safe and secure vote. That's that's what we're all aiming for. And we need a federally protected right to vote, which none of us have. Nobody has it. It's a state's right, which is why we have this checkerboard crazy system that we've got going here. So let's get right to it. Let's get to some of these headlines as we talk about um you know, just really, as if everyone's focusing uh, on black men and, and whether black people get into the polls, white people get into the polls. You need to look at what white women are doing at these polls. Fifty-five percent of white women voted for Trump. Seventy-six percent of white women voted for Brian Kemp in 2018. Let that be the headline. Why don't you ask them why they're voting against their own reproductive interest? for example? Whew. In Chicago, we're going to have a high of 51 degrees, mostly sunny. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 42 degrees, partly cloudy. In the NFL, the Vikings, 20, the Commanders 17. And the Bears lost a heartbreaker yesterday. The Dolphins, 35, the Bears, 32. Oh, uh, oh, uh, oh. I still love you, Bears. NBA, the Knicks will be playing the Timberwolves. And the Raptors were triumphant over the Bulls, 113 to 104. Perhaps they can make it up tonight. I'm hoping, I'm hoping they're going to be facing off once again, everybody. Daylight savings time. Did you get a little rest? Did you take advantage of that extra hour? I completely missed it. Yeah, yeah, I did. I mean, I just kept on going. Ooh, Election Day, all 435 seats in the House, 35 of the 100 U.S. Senate seats are on the ballot. 36 out of 50 states will elect governors. Wow, there's special coverage all over the place. Of course, Joan uh, Esposito will be leading our coverage here on WCPT. You don't want to miss it, everybody. It's a high-stakes election, a crucial contest all across the country, crucial contest here in Chicago, and of course, in my home up in Minneapolis, St. Paul. Uh, Please get involved, everybody. Every vote matters. Anxious Americans are disillusioned by the economy ahead of the midterms. Uh, Wow. The poll there's a poll conducted by a Trump pollster uh, and a Biden pollster, and it uh, it finds that just 19% of Americans say the economy is on the right track. That's right. I mean, this is where we are, everybody. This is where we are. And do you think that the Democrats are putting out the right message? Should they be talking more about the economy and how their attempts to uh, to really to get money in your pocket, to get food on your table, to get you health care, how they've been obstructed by the. Republicans, you've not heard that. Uh, President Vladimir Putin of Russia has signed into law uh, the conscription of citizens with unexpunged or outstanding convictions for murder, robbery, larceny, and drug trafficking and other serious crimes. Everybody's calling them up for military service. The Powerball jackpot has now grown to an estimated $1.9 billion. No winning tickets. I think I need to get one. What do you think? I'll get it in memory of my grandmother Gertrude. She bought tickets faithfully. I don't know if she ever won anything. But you know, it's all right. Several passengers on board a commercial flight operated by Precision Air uh, crashed into Lake Victoria in Tanzania. They've been rescued. The airline and local officials have said, "And congratulations to Dusty Baker and the Houston Astros. That's right, Dusty Baker managing 25 years in Major League Baseball, one of the most successful coaches in the history of Major League Baseball, who was also a teammate of Hank Aaron's. That's how I knew him as a little girl. I have the honor of having known him all of my life, and I'm so excited for him and those Houston Astros. So excited, so excited, so excited. He is, um, got to get him on the show because uh, Pastor, uh Pastor Jeanette Wilson, he has been lamenting the fact that there are no African-Americans, no black Americans born in the United States virtually anymore playing in baseball. And that was a big Washington Post series about a year or two ago. Um, And that was something that Lynn Coleman, the the first and last African-American president of the National League, they don't have those anymore. But he was pushing to get... Our little leagues in the middle of the black community," he said. "Otherwise, we will have no more black Americans playing baseball. And baseball is a very inexpensive sport and relatively safe. And so, um, so congratulations to Dusty Baker, and uh, God bless him. God bless him. He's done a great, great See, deal I, with That I team. I grew up in a
3: in a, in a baseball community, Chatta, where. Mm-hmm. Um, Minnie Minoso's mother lived next door to me. Across the street was Al Smith's sister. So I grew up with the baseball cards. Everybody on the block. We had Little League, uh, Pee Wee no. League, Pony League. And we fed into uh, the minors and the major leagues. And that well, was, baseball you know, that's was the last our ticket out. Not, not basketball, if you remember.
2: Well, you know, it was, that basketball was something that just, that has really evolved over the past 30 years or so. Let's say going into the 80s, right? Because that's when you right. had Magic and, and Larry Bird. You had the bad boys with, you know, with
3: Oscar uh, Robertson.
2: Well, well I, but that's, he's a, he's my parents' generation. But then, you know, you had, you know, Isaiah Thomas. You know, you had Mark mm-hmm. Mark McGuire. I mean, it was just, it, it, going into the late 70s, moving into the 80s, it became something else. And then, of course, with Michael, uh, with the superstar number, Michael Jordan, they just became, you know, something, something else. But I'm just pulling for Uh, everybody to play baseball it truly should be a world sport but we can't go past black homegrown talent here what they did to those kids on that Jackie Robinson team was shameful Mm -hmm. I am I'm not over that because to crush the dreams of those young people of those children was shameful and we're going to pay for it that having been said we need to have uh, equal access to for everybody not just white suburban kids you
3: have a lot of great and, and talent, our, and our school, our schools need to allow young people to learn baseball. That That's was right, America's pastime, and
2: we, it, we don't it, Wait, it still is.
0: Have,
2: it still is. When you go to teams, when you go to the uh, World Series, and you go to, you go to the All Star games, you see absolutely. it. You just see that it's become very, very white American. And, um, and America is bigger than that, and America is better than that. But so what's the good news today? We need that as we're going to the polls, Pastor.
3: Well, I think we should look at Psalm 72, and it talks about the elements of a good leader. Oftentimes we vote for political leaders as if it's not biblical. I hear people saying, I don't want to deal with politics because uh, just I'm just going to be holy. Well, if you look at the Bible and you see Psalm 72, it talks about qualities of leadership. And it simply says that, um, I'm not going to read it, you're going to go read it for yourself, but it talks about, what is it that you should look for in a leader? They, it uses the word king, which could be the president, the governor, uh, the U.S. Senate, any leader, the attorney general, uh, one of our state elected officials, state reps, state, uh, state senators. All of these people are, quote, leaders. And so we should expect some moral integrity, moral equity. From our leadership. So, if you're you're voting for governor and you're choosing between two candidates, who will de- deal with the poor? Who is going to make sure that poor people, oppressed people, are their needs are met? Who's going to look at the people that are incarcerated to look at the laws that, uh, like right in Illinois, we're voting. Uh, we have just passed a safety act which has no cash bail. What does that mean? Who supports that? When you look at leadership, you have to say. Who is dealing with the morality of a woman's right to choose, the incidents that children have, uh, girls raped at a very early age? Should she be required to give birth to that child or not? These these are the questions that you have to ask yourself as you vote down the ballot. You're looking at these judges. Who is going to rule with equity and justice. And so the model uh, for leadership is what would Christ do? And this Psalm talks about the reign of Christ, the reign of justice and righteousness. We must apply that to our everyday lives. It's, it's, it's really uh, causing us to, when we go to the polls to take some juice, some water, whatever we need to keep us calm. So as we go down the ballot, we start thinking what kind of leader is this person going to be? How is that person going to talk about the needs that you outlined today, Santita? Education for everyone. Health care for everyone. Who's going to protect the social security rights of of seniors who've given a lifetime to this nation? How are they going to be protected in their golden years? We're going to look at who's who's going to deal with uh, feeding uh, the children in schools. How are we going to make sure that those uh, children who need free and reduced lunch get it without uh, embarrassment and without uh, any change in their status. Who is going to make sure at the state level that uh, – that workers get a livable wage, not just another wage, but a livable wage. Who's going to fight to protect that in the state legislature? Who's going to protect our voting rights? Since we don't have a federally protected right to vote at, at the state level, who's protecting it? And then at the federal level, who's going to try to fight for a constitutionally protected voter voting right? When you look at who's going to the Senate, think on these things as you go to the polls, but but all means, Go to the polls.
2: Well, let me ask you this: as a as a minister, I mean, how do you square, say, dealing with something like abortion and the death penalty? Uh, I mean, how, how do you how do you do that?
3: Well, I think abortion is is an individual choice. Uh, the Bible does not give you some particular directives. Uh, the question is, when does life begin, and so. Di- People have different understandings of the uh, moment that life begins, and it depends on what you believe. And I don't get into those kinds of discussions because I think those are individual uh, decisions. It's between you and your God and Mm -hmm. uh, you and your body. On the death penalty, I'm uh, opposed to the death penalty. I think that uh, no one has a right to to take the life of another, even if that person has committed a heinous crime. I had a couple of death penalty cases in my career, and uh, I asked the jury, if you believe in it, would you be the one to push the button, or push the syringe, or flip the switch? If you could hmm. do that, then you vote yes. And I could not do that.
2: Okay, I mean, you know, it's to me it's always interesting to hear a minister's perspective because now, say, for example, in Georgia, you know, of course, Herschel Walker's pushed the envelope on with a with an ordained minister, um, a credentialed minister, someone who has quite yeah. a history, a, a very very solid and wonderful history as a minister, Reverend Doctor Raphael Warnock, who in, who has assumed the pulpit of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King and Daddy King. I mean, this is an iconic Mm -hmm. pulpit. I mean, there's no more prominent pulpit in the United States. And he is going to, I mean, and he's making Christianity a litmus test. Now, mind you, I am not sitting around judging him on these abortions that his girlfriends are alleged to have had. You know, it's the hypocrisy that bothers me, quite frankly. Because um, I, well, you because I think they were all wrong. He was married. You, you, you're not going to bring a baby absolutely. to Mrs. to Mrs. Herschel Walker. Just, just stop it, y'all. Stop. It's the hypocrisy that bothers me. It's it's what he would deny other women while he's sending out thank you well, notes. I,
3: you well, know? I think the other thing is Herschel Walker is being manipulated and used. He's not even making conscious decisions, and it is unfortunate that. Uh, this election has uh, evolved around people manipulating anyone to get an end that they wish. It has nothing to do with qualifications. It has mm-hmm. nothing to do with an ideology that makes any amount of sense. It is like, y'all want a black senator? We will give you one, and we pick this one, we mold this one, we make this one and he just he's he's just saying whatever they tell him. He's not even aware. It's it's like you're using a puppet. And I feel very bad because he needs help. Uh, as many players yeah. who have you know CTE. I just Yes. Yeah. And yeah. and we know that he has mental problems. That's not fair to him to put well, him in a yeah. position.
2: It's but you know what I think that this also shows. Well, you know, I mean, they—they they clearly have their challenges, but I think we also—I yeah. think black, white, young, whatever color we are, yellow, brown, red—you see the—you see the how far you can take identity politics. It's really not about—it's not—it's not your color; it's your kind. You know, yeah. and I talk about this all the time. What I think of Frank Watkins, who we just. I laid to rest just some weeks ago. My father's longest, so the rainbow, and Operation Breadbasket, and Operation Push's longest serving staff member, white as he could be. Um,
0: Absolutely.
2: We couldn't have made it without Frank. When I think of no. Reverend David Wallace and Reverend Gary Masoni, my father's classmates from the University of Chicago, fellow seminarians, they went to Selma together. And, you know, and tried to figure out who's going to be in the front seat as they went south and how they, you know, I mean, and my uncle David named his son after my dad. And I'm like, do you think I would trade them in for one of these right wing black preachers? No, 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 I can't do no, 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 no. I've no. got about 30 seconds left for you, uh, Pastor. You people are, need to get out and vote, And then tomorrow night, everybody, we're going to have a watch party at the South Shore Cultural Center starting at six o'clock. Get on over there. I will be their morning stars. I hope we'll have a celebration for Jonathan Jackson. Oh, no, well, no, who's no. Running we're going to be
3: have the- a celebration. Hold on, hold on. We're going to have Stace- a celebration. Stacy Abrams? Co- he- well, we're going to have a celebration. Jonathan will be my congressperson, so I just want you to know that. Number one. I'm with you. Number two- I wish you were going to
2: be mine. Hmm.
3: Well, that's... I, I need to I'll move say, over I'll a block. i for you. <laughs> I you have to
2: need move. To, oh, to But I love Robin Kelly. I'll move over a block. But everybody, get out and vote. Of course, this is
3: um, of course <laughs> and for don't rainbow. Don't forget to vote for the don't forget to vote for the judges, Santita. That is, it's at the what end the of the ballot. The judges, the Secretary of that. State, a state.
2: You, but, but you know, and we're going to the, the judges. Makes Sergeant my eyes Secretary cross. Of state. Huh? <laughs> It makes my eyes cross. Girl, when I have to go through all those names.
3: But just take your time. Take you some juice if you think you're going to get hungry or tired. Take you a peanut butter sandwich as you sit there. It's a long ballot, but it's the most important ballot in your lifetime that we are voting for. You're right. Got to vote for these judges. I
2: was was just having a little fun with you, although it does make my eyes cross. I'm going to get you some juice. I'm going to bring you some juice. No (laughs) juice ain't going to get it. I'm like, come on, can we get this, please? (laughs) <laughs> oh, but you know what? Every I, I every voted. vote counts. Every, every office vote. matters. Everybody, so please get in there and let's uh, let's do the right thing. Oh, it's always a joy to be with you, Reverend Jeanette Wilson. I'll so see you much. tomorrow night at the yes, at ma'am. the South Shore Cultural Center, s- center starting at six o'clock. We'll have a good time, everybody. You need to be there. We'll have some fun, fun, fun. <laughs> Back with more Thank of you. the Santita Jackson show, talking about protecting your vote. Talking about. Who is voting? How do we get out the vote? Talking about, you know, everybody's going after black men, and are black people going to vote? Are, are black men becoming Trumpian? What about white women who vote for Trump? Overwhelmingly, they vote against their own interests. Back with more of the Santita Jackson show in just a minute.
1: This is the Santita Jackson Show.
0: Hey
2: everybody, welcome, welcome, welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. Hope to see you tomorrow night uh, at the South Shore Cultural Center starting at 6 o'clock. We're going to have a great, great time. It'll be a watch party. We're going to find out what's happening in Illinois and And all the 50 states and territories, we will be there. I'm going to be there. My parents will be there. Jonathan Jackson will be there. You know, we're hoping for a victory for him. It's going to be music, lots of fun. Come on out, everybody. It's going to be great at South Shore Cultural Center, which is at 71st and South Shore. Drive. All right, everybody. Let's get to before as we get into this election. Who's voting? How do you protect your vote? With Attorney Daryl Jones and Robert Attorney Robert Patillo, and of course, we'll be talking about who's voting and why people are voting. Uh, State Representative Delia Ramirez, who could be going to Congress. It looks like she will be. She won't be one of the few Latinas in in our history going to Congress, and we're so proud of her. So excited about what she's going to be doing. Uh, What's going on, Chaperl? Celebrations by us. I'm so glad you're going to be with us tomorrow
3: night. Yes, Santita, we're looking forward to it, uh, helping out and doing whatever we can. Yes, a celebration by us. We are preparing for the holiday season. So please give us a call at 708-526-4546, 708-526-4546. We're right now taking your Thanksgiving day orders that includes your turkey, your mashed potatoes, your mac and cheese, your mashed your greens and green beans, as well as also your sweets, your sweet potato pie, your banana pudding, your real velvet cake, your caramel cake, whatever you need, whatever your needs are for your holiday season. Don't hesitate to give us a call 708-526-4546. We look forward to serving you. Thank you so much, Santita.
2: Amen. Amen. I'm putting in my order. I think I've already done that. Might add to it. Oh. Hey, everybody. Let's talk about protecting our vote. You know, we've been talking about going to vote dot org vote dot org so that you can find out where you need to vote, where you're supposed to vote. But also if you are still registered to vote, um, people are being purged for all kinds of reasons. What do you do if you find out? That you've been purged the day before, like today, or if you go to the poll and find out that you have been purged from the voter rolls, what do you do, particularly if you are in a state where you don't have same-day on-site registration. There's a lot to talk about with Attorney Robert Patillo and Attorney Daryl Jones. Attorney Daryl Jones, chairman of the Transformative Justice Coalition, of course, Attorney Robert Patillo, from uh, the Southeastern Regional Director for Rainbow Push in the middle of that big, big, big race down in Georgia, but they're everywhere. Indeed, the Transformative Justice Coalition, they have been called in to be election observers uh, by the citizens of Georgia because they want, they too want uh, free and safe elections. What about being purged? You know, you, I mean, because we've been talking about it, Attorney Jones, but you know, life gets in the way. And then you, you say, well, you know, let me just go to this vote.org, let me just see what's going on with this. And then you find out you've been purged today, the day before the election, or tomorrow. When you're about to go vote, what do you do? What do you do if you find if if you're in a state where you have same day registration? What do you do if you're in a state that does not have same day registration?
1: Well, good morning, Santita. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Election Eve. Election yes. Eve is here. It's, you know, if you have not gotten your vote on, as you're just saying, it is time to finally make that plan to go to the polls tomorrow to to vote. Right now, Sanjita, I I want any listener that hasn't voted to go to vote.org and see if you've been removed from the voter rolls. Be certain that your polling place hasn't changed. Know where you're going. Do it right now. Don't wait until tomorrow. Do it right now. Now, if you go to vote.org, and you see that you've been removed from the polls, you've been purged, you haven't moved, you haven't done anything, but your name is gone. Uh, What are you supposed to do? What should you do? Well, here's the thing. Uh, You may be in a state that has same-day registration, meaning that uh, on tomorrow, for instance, right now I'm in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin tomorrow will open up for same-day registration. So if you learn that you've been removed from the uh, voting rolls tomorrow, you can go in, you can register tomorrow and you can still vote tomorrow, a regular ballot. Like you've always voted Uh, that's tomorrow for states that have same day registration. There are a lot of states that don't have same day registration. If you don't have same day registration and you go in to vote tomorrow and you learn that you've been removed, from the voting rolls, whether you learn it today, when you look, or you learn it tomorrow, when you go, here's what you've got to do. The biggest thing to do is to not leave without casting some type of ballot. Okay. If they will not permit you to vote, what you want to do, everybody, wherever you are, you have the right to, uh, to cast a provisional ballot. You absolutely have that right. Do not leave. Uh, without casting that provisional ballot. This is only in states that do not have same-day registration. Let's be clear. Same-day registration, register and vote. No same-day registration, and they've removed you from the ballot, and, the, and you haven't taken the steps because uh, you just learned about it to get yourself back on, you can cast a provisional ballot. Why do we tell you to do that? Because once you cast the provisional ballot, you're in the arena to be able to fight to say that you were wrongfully removed. Remember, if you leave and you don't do anything, if you don't cast provisional ballot, that means there's no record of you doing anything that's there, no record. So if you're in a state that does not have same day registration, and you learn that you've been removed from the polls once you go there to vote, you want to be certain that at a minimum you cast that provisional ballot so that there's a record that's there, that you have something to fight from that's saying that you were wrongfully removed to have that provisional ballot subsequently turned into a corrected uh, ballot. That's what you want to do, uh, to you, That That's the position that we're uh, that we're in at this point in time.
2: Mm. 773 it's 9278 Make sure you cast that ballot. I mean, but if you've been purged from the rolls, how do you? I mean, how how do you how do you cast a ballot, Attorney Jones? Do you, I mean, do you, do you say, "Well, I was there, but I wasn't there." I mean, is where's the evidence that you were ever registered in the first place, and how how do you cast a ballot?
1: Great. Right. And what uh, what they will do is that they will give you a provisional ballot. And, okay. and uh, because they're required to do that, you know, regardless of whether or not your name currently appears on the rolls or not. They're gonna give you, because you know, remember, they could be wrong, right? The, the elections of, of, uh, office could be wrong uh, at the local level or at any level. So they're gonna give you the provisional ballot in case they are wrong. So once you have that provisional ballot and, you, and you're able to cast it, then you can come back and fight your fight as to why it should be included as a regular ballot, not as a provisional ballot. So, you know, the, and that fight that, that occurs is going to be with the local elections and uh, board as to whether or not you were properly removed and purged from the voter rolls. But if you don't cast the provisional ballot, you know, you know after election day, it's too late. You know, you you can't go back and and no court is going to say, oh, we believe that you were there. We're now going to allow you to go ahead and cast a ballot, actually start the voting process to select somebody. That's not going to happen. So what can happen is that, once you're in the in the uh in the boxing ring to be able to fight by casting the provisional ballot, if you, you can then show or we can then show that you were wrongfully removed, we can say this ballot that was cast in a timely manner should be included with the other ballots that were properly uh properly submitted. So so you know, those those are sort of the mechanics of that, Cynthia.
2: Okay, no, but I mean I think that's a really big deal because Some people are going to go to the polls tomorrow, and they're going to find out that they have been purged from the polls. Uh, What do you do if you bump into someone who's hostile, either, you know, in line or outside of the line? What do you do?
1: Look, if you run into someone uh, that's hostile, there's a couple things you want to do. Uh, One is that you want to see if anyone from election protection is is around. Uh, There are people that are going to be all around that will have, uh, at many of the polling places, not every polling place, at many of the polling places, they'll have shirts or they'll have some insignia indicating that they're election protection. You can go to them and, and, and let them know what's happening, and they will try to to calm the situation down. We know uh, Cynthia, that there are some 50,000 trained poll disruptors throughout the country that have been deployed. So it's a possibility that you may run into one. So the election uh, uh, the election protection person is one option one of the things you want to do uh, and one of the things you want to immediately do is use your weapon that cell phone to start recording whatever it is that you're encountering again one of the things we want to be certain that we're doing is creating the record that we're creating uh, uh you know things that are there to identify what is going on and to and to chart uh what has happened to record what has happened so that it can be used for sh- for future use You also, uh, if if the election protection person isn't there, uh, you want to alert the election officials that are there inside the polling place as to what's happening. You do not want to engage these people because what they're trying to do is that they're trying to disrupt you, to get you and the people surrounding you so concerned and intimidated that you're going to say, I don't want to go through this process or they're trying to cause a scene to have police called in so they can see another disruption that's going on, which is going to disrupt uh, you know, folks that are in line. It can slow down the whole entire voting process. They can come back later and say this thing is, is flawed because of uh, all these uh, things that are going on, uh, and, and so you shouldn't count uh, any of the votes that come out of this, out of this uh, polling place. They're going to try all kinds of things to disrupt the process. But what you want to do, is that you want to you know, record it on your cell phone, you want to stay calm, you want to find the uh, election protection if they're there, you want to go to an election official if they're there, and you want to call 866-OUR-VOTE, 866 our and let them know what's happening and what you're experiencing, because they will uh, automatically connect you to uh, attorneys that are geared to that specific area, that specific state, and be able to start charting whether or not there are orchestrated efforts that are going around in that area. Those are the steps that we uh, absolutely want to take. And let's be clear, uh, Santita, we know that the, what we're calling anti-voter activity, that the Mm -hmm. anti-voter activity is occurring, and we're looking at really 10 states where where it seems to be really concentrated. There's uh, Arizona. Uh, Georgia, Nevada, North Carolina, Texas, Florida, Michigan, uh, New Hampshire, Pennsylvania, and right here in Wisconsin. Those are the states that we know uh, that there's a strong anti-voter activity that are going on. But we've got to be vigilant in terms of understanding what to do if we encounter it, and we have to be prepared. So I mean, now, more than ever, it's important to take that cell phone with you when you go to vote,
2: Cynthia. Mm, we've been talking with Attorney Daryl Jones, Transformative Justice Coalition. Uh, they are in Georgia observing the elections because, indeed, they're training people at the Carter Center to be election observers to ensure that these elections will be free, open, and fair. Uh, and I'm glad to see President Carter Center is doing that. That's what these presidential libraries ought to be doing. But I'm also glad to know that uh, that the Transformative Justice Coalition is on the ground. But so was you know in league with Rainbow Push, and I've got Attorney uh, Robert Patillo, Attorney Robert Patillo, uh, talk to me about what we are seeing uh, with voting. I mean, our. Are we out voting voter suppression, or are we just? I mean, what what's going on down down in Georgia, particularly? Because as of just about two or three days ago, you had two and a half million people who voted. I mean, you're breaking all kinds of records, Attorney
4: well, thank, thank you for to that. Thank you so much, Centita. And you know, one of the things people need to understand is there's no such thing as outpacing both voter suppression. It's about keeping up with it. Uh demographically this shouldn't even be a question, you know, like I've said a trillion times before Georgia to say that thirty five percent of the American, one percent Latino 52% women, there's no reason for it to even be purple, to be a strong blue state, but because of voter suppression, that's how they're even able to even out in the playing field. Uh, if we have free and fair elections in this country, as we call for overseas. I know Republicans haven't won a popular vote since 2004, so we, we have a very different electorate in this country without voter suppression uh, picking your head over our shoulders, but when you look at l- l- these early voting numbers, one you have to them is the amount of money being spent on our campaign to motivate people. Uh, combined nationally we have something like 1.5 billion dollars being spent on commercials and advertisements for the election. Uh, you have these celebrity candidates who are uh, have become part of the uh, social zeitgeist. We are looking mm-hmm. at Stacey Abrams and her ubiquity on, uh, on entertainment platforms. Cursor Walker, who's a joke for so many other reasons, uh, for some of his outraged behavior, Pastor Warnock for being become a pillar of the community. Uh, you, you, More people know and are interested in this race than what we often see in midterm elections. I think, and finally, I think the American people understand just the seriousness of this year, of this campaign, of this race. Uh, after January the 6th, after the Donaldson decision, I think more people understand that these policies have a direct impact on your life. And actually uh, watching sort they are part of the process as opposed to simply waiting for something else to happen. This is not a year where it's some of the lesser two evils. You have an existential threat to democracy uh, against the, with all the flaws, the Democratic Party will still at least once have serious conversations about what the future of the nation are.
2: Hmm. 773-763-9278-773-763-9278. 773 763 9278 773 763 9278. Have you voted? Do you plan to vote? Uh, you know, you can tell us how you voted, or, or you don't have to. I just want to know if you have had equal access to the polls. Do you not know protect yourself at the polls? That's very, very important. Let me pivot here. Uh, what about who is voting? We're going to be talking about this more in the next in the next block. But I wanted to find out from from you, Attorney Jones, and you, Attorney Patillo. Mm-hmm. Uh You know, we hear so much about mm-hmm. about black men and black men are moving over to the Republican Party. Not, you know, you know, not in I mean, in in numbers that, that make the Democrats worry, uh, so, but not it's not like 20 percent, but it's like 10 12 percent and it might even move up to 20 percent as if black men do not have the right to move from party to party um and there was a new york times article in which black men were saying that i think that the republican party gives me more space to make money that that's what I'm i'm trying to provide for my family that's what i need to do uh but no one's really discussing uh how white women are voting that more than half of them voted for President Trump. Seventy-six percent of them voted against Stacey Abrams in support of Brian Kemp. You know what? Uh, let me start with you, uh, Robert Batillo. That's not a headline. Black men are the headlines. Black The, the black vote's the headline. Are black people going to come out and vote? I'm like, wait a minute. We're a minority vote here. Strong vote, but why aren't you worried about your neighbor, your mother, your sister, your daughter, who's voting against her own interest, Robert Vitillo.
4: Well, you're absolutely correct. Let's understand that this has never been reality. It's just a narrative. Uh, we saw this going back to the Doug Jones election in Alabama a few years ago where they said, well, black women pulled it out for Doug Jones with 95% support. Well, black men were at 90% support. <laughs> but there's been this deliberate, deliberate effort to kind of... <laughs> pushed this wedge between black men and black women mm-hmm. when it comes to two ele- uh, elections, as opposed to looking at the fact that uh, Democrats are losing support with Hispanic voters. We're looking at over 30% of Hispanic voters now voting Republican. They're losing support with female, women voters, despite their strong support for jobs. I think often Democrats run far too strongly on this concept of identity politics. They just assume that all Latinos are interested in immigration. Because of immigration, they'll vote Democrat. That all women are interested in abortion, because of abortion, they'll vote Democrat. And we well, to dive into those poll numbers and looking at uh, some of the cross tabs where you're talking about economics, where you talk about we're talking about social issues uh, there was a narrative after the 2016 election that uh, well, white women were voting along with their husbands and that's why they were uh, not voting the same as other groups of, uh, of women nationally uh, when in reality they had every ability and every uh, inclination to be racist on their own they didn't need to follow their husbands to be racist, to be xenophobic to be uh, jingoistic uh, and we have to stop infantilizing them and once you understand and, uh, some of these facts on the ground or well, they can start changing messaging, changing processes to focus on where you need to focus. Anytime you're getting uh, a 85 plus percent of a voting population that's there with African-American men, that's not your area of concern. When you're looking at some of the creeping going on in every other areas, uh, that's when you have to start looking at it. Many white women do not like some of the social policies of the Democrats. Uh, when it comes to their children coming back from school being transgender uh, or when it comes to uh, crime in their communities when it comes to inflation in the grocery store and gas prices. Uh, and that's just the reality. So we can either live in this Narnia type land where those things don't exist or you can understand what the issues are in your party and start uh, changing what your messaging is, what your platforms are. Otherwise, you're going to continue uh, the descent into kind of breaking the party in half and the three or four different parties that the form of parliamentary system that compete against Republicans.
0: Hmm. What
2: do you think, Attorney Jones? I mean, I think the headline is wrong. <laughs> Black yeah. men are voting for you. I'm like, what's the deal? You,
1: know, you, you always have to be careful when someone's trying to uh, force you to accept their narrative and their analysis of, uh, of what's going on within your community. But let's, let's be clear. Uh, you know, when you're talking about uh, men versus women and voting, remove the color. Mm-hmm. Generally, what you find is that women outpace men in voting. they just do regardless of race. Uh, women outpace men. So now we're in the scenario where, where you know they're trying to uh, uh, find excuses and all this other stuff uh, with regards to uh, uh, why people aren't doing well within uh, in the Democratic Party. And so they're turning to black men They say so, well they're not voting <laughs> right? right this mm-hmm. is the problem like, it, it, It's a remo- it's, it's a false narrative. It's a false narrative, because if you look at the percentages uh, of men versus women, regardless of race, you'll see the pattern continues that women outpace men when it comes to voting. So it's not like all of a sudden the black community somehow is this monolithic community. to all they must everybody has to vote exactly the same uh, percentages. No, absolutely not. So, you know, I I start that it's just a false premise to say that. Uh, uh, For some reason, the problem is is that black men aren't voting because that that just isn't accurate. And it's similar, Cynthia, when they said that young voters aren't voting. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the other narrative that they roll out there. And and, and what we know is this, that in, in this election, in 2020 election, that young voters in 2020 voted in historical numbers. Ever in the United States, and they're going to show it again and doing it again here this time through. So, you know, we've got to not accept just because someone has written this mm. that it is accurate. You know, they're, they're, they're rolling out these false narratives. We need to determine our own narrative and be certain, as as you know, that I always enjoy listening to, to Robert Petillo because he gives such a, a good historical analysis and brings a current day. So, you know, in, in that analysis, what we know is that there's not a problem with black men voting. We love the black men the, the vote and the number of black, uh, you know, same procedures as black women. But let's be clear, black women outnumber everybody when it comes to registration and, and voting, Thank regardless you. of race. So let's be clear on that. We
2: over index in the vote. That's what we do. So but but get off of black men. Now, I'm a black woman saying leave them alone now. And I'm not trying to beat up anyone, but I want to analyze why it is uh, white women are not the headline because white women are not voting for Beto O'Rourke. They're not voting for Stacey Abrams. They're not voting for Raphael Warnock. They're not voting for John Fetterman. They're not. They're not. They're not. They're not. I'm not beating anyone up. I'm just saying, even if you are a white woman who's listening, who is voting, um, you know, say in in the direction of President Trump, I want to hear from you. I don't want to fight you. I want to hear from you. I want to understand you. Because let me tell you something. I do understand that people approach candidates for a whole lot of reasons every person who's voting for President Trump, former President Trump is not some raging racist I remember Daryl Jones and Attorney Robert Petillo, 2008 when Goldman Sachs went to to the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi and said give us $770 million or we're going to shut down your economy and Americans went crazy, remember that weekend we called the Hill and shut down the system Americans have not gotten over that so let's keep this real. There's a lot that is, go- there are many undercurrents that's few- that are fueling the passions in America today. And we, need to- we would be wise to look at them all and stop demonizing people. We need to stop demonizing each other. We need to grow up in our politics so that we can resolve the problems and have and achieve a more perfect union. We can do that, and the only way it's going to happen is if we do it together. So let's talk about this on the Santita Jackson show. Who is voting and why? Back with more of the Santita Jackson show on WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station at AM 950 radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota and meet my morning stars over here on the Santita Jackson and friends page on Facebook and the Santita Jackson show YouTube channel. And tomorrow night, I hope to see all of you. All of you at the South Shore Cultural Center at 71st and South Shore Drive, starting at 6 o'clock. I will be there. We're going to have some great music. Yes, I will be singing. We'll be doing all kinds. Of- it's going to be big fun. Watch party. That's right. And hopefully a celebration for Jonathan Jackson. Back with more of the Santita Jackson show in just a minute. We can change the world. Change the world. Change the world. Oh, yes, can. We can change
0: the world. We can change the world.
1: This is the Santita Jackson Show.
0: Gotta save the children, we can't wait. the world.
2: Hey everybody, welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. It's Monday, November 7th, 2022, the day before the midterms. Are you registered to vote? Are you ready to vote? Have you voted already? Ooh, about forty million Americans have already voted more than fifty three million people have requested absentee ballots. How many people will be voting tomorrow? It turns out that a lot of um, a lot of uh, Republicans are asking people to hold back on mail in ballots, which is something that they employed to great use and advantage before, and they will be voting tomorrow. So we're going to see how this all works out. And you know what? I just got a text from Illinois State Representative Dalia Ramirez. Please, please reach out to her. We're trying to call, but, you know, when we get these voicemails, well, we're going to get her back up. We're going to get up in a hot second. And along, of course, Attorney Terry O'Neill and our, our sister, uh, Attorney Aaron Connolly, and we've got a t- Attorney Robert Patillo talking about these, talking about these elections. Uh, many of them are historic. Many of them are historic. Everybody in Chicago, coming to you from WCPT eight twenty, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, and AM nine fifty radio. I am Santita Jackson, coming to you from Chicago and Minneapolis, Saint Paul, and on the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel and on the Santita Jackson and Friends page. Everybody, please like and share the show. Like and share the show. And I hope you'll be joining me tomorrow night, starting at six o'clock, at the South Shore Cultural Center. It's going to be great. Going to have big fun, watch party, uh, hopefully a victory party for Jonathan Jackson. But you know, we want to be. We're going to be watching all of these races from all over the country, and it's going to be great because we'll all be together, right? And we'll be able to talk about these. Issues in real time. In Chicago we're, we're gonna have a high of fifty-one degrees, mostly sunny. Minneapolis, St. Paul, forty two degrees, partly cloudy in the NFL. The Vikings twenty, the camp the commanders seventeen. On oh, and a heartbreaker yesterday for the Bears. The Dolphins thirty-five, the Bears thirty-two. In the NBA, the Knicks will be playing the Timberwolves and the Raptors were triumphant over the Bulls 113 to 104. Hopefully, That'll be turned around tonight when the Raptors and the Bulls face off once again. Daylight savings time. Did you get a little extra rest? I hope you did. I didn't, but I do feel refreshed today. It's election day tomorrow. All 435 House seats, 35 of the U.S. Senate seats are on the ballot. 36 out of 50 states will elect governors and secretaries of state and attorneys general. And, 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 and do not forget to vote down ballot. Do not forget to vote for the judges. All of that is important. All of those jobs will get filled whether you vote or not. Now, so you need to vote for someone you want so you can get what it is that you need, everybody. Ten Senate seats are most likely to flip. Who will hold on to the power in the U.S. House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate? Who will hold on to the state legislatures? Who will hold on to these governorships? It's on you. You're the one who makes that decision. Anxious Americans are disillusioned by the economy, according to a poll conducted by a Trump pollster and a Biden pollster. It's a Wall Street Journal poll. It finds that 19 percent of Americans say the economy is on the right track. Do you think that the Democrats have put out the right message because so much that they've done to try to bolster the economy and to rescue it? These measures have been obstructed by the Republicans. You know, and I don't do the hardcore partisan thing, but you have to call it what it is. That's what I try to do. So what do you think about that, everybody? The economy is what's driving people to vote one way or the other, Uh, not democracy. This is not a college lecture. It's not a civics class, everybody. This is how people live from day to day. That's really happening. Indeed, that's why Bernie Sanders is drawing crowds that... You know, corporate media is not really covering him, but he's drawing crowds in the thousands, everybody. And he is talking about oligarchy. He said it's not just Trump and his allies who are trying to undermine American democracy. You are living right now under corrupt, under a corrupt political system which allows billionaires to buy elections. $900 million has been poured into this election cycle by our billionaires. Not to mention the fact that no one is mentioning that inflation is being driven by corporate greed, not corporate need corporate greed. It is the corporations that are, that have no brakes on what they charge any of us for gas, for food, for anything. And neither of the parties, quite frankly, are adequately addressing that. And we need to do that if we are going to get right down to the brass tax solutions. Americans are not serfs, indeed. Low- and middle income families in my district, according to Rokana, uh across the country are being pushed out of their homes because of profiteering and unfair practices by large corporate landlords. Indeed, more and more Americans are not owning their homes. More and more Americans are renting. And so they are prey, P-R-E-Y, to uh, the vicissitudes and the wishes of these corporate titans. We have to think about that, everybody. So let's talk about this, everybody. Let's talk about why we're voting the way we're voting. What are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? Who's voting which way? Um, we're finding that more and more white women are moving toward the Republican column. Now, quite frankly, um, What do you think about that? I mean, because everyone's lamenting what black men are doing and what they're not doing. No one's talking about how white women, the overwhelming majority of them, are not voting for Stacey Abrams. They're not voting for Beto O'Rourke. They're not voting for John Fetterman. They are voting for Donald Trump. They're voting for Mehmet Oz. They're voting for Brian Kemp. They're voting for people who actively work against him. They're going to be voting for... Uh, Herschel Walker. What's the deal, everybody? And who's voting? Just who's voting and why? Uh, Call us or text us at 773-763-9278. 773-763-9278. I want to hear from you. And before we go to um, the will be a woman who will be the newly minted member of Congress, uh, State Representative Dalia Ramirez, and, of course, uh, Attorney Robert Petillo and Attorney Erin Connolly. Let me go to Daniel from South Carolina. How you doing, Daniel, from South Carolina? Where are you down in South Carolina?
5: Um, I, I'm in kind of the northwest corner of uh, or northeast corner of Richland County. I'm, I'm in the middle of nowhere, Eastover.
2: Don't, don't say that. I used to spend my, spend my time in another part of the state in Greenville, and I love it, love it, love it still. I think of my grandmama, Timmy, my great-grandmama, my great-grandmama, Timmy, my grandmama, Helen. I just, I love South yeah, Carolina. Well,
5: Greenville's a little nicer than my area.
2: <laughs> oh, well, God bless you. Well, you know, we have to vote about it, because all Ameri- all of America should be wonderful and fabulous for everybody. How you doing, Daniel? Talk yeah. to us. I'm so glad that you that you called in today.
5: Yes, ma'am. So my issue is uh, all the demographics you're talking about, if they are voting against their interests, they are a low Mm -hmm. information voter. Um, And the the problem with that is Democrat. Actually, really, nobody cares about them. Um, the, 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 The Republicans are just fine lying to them and the Democrats aren't countering that message. You want to ask why white women uh, vote against their own interests. It's Mm -hmm. simple. It's because of abortion. Um, They are convinced by Republican media, or by really all media, that Democrats are advocating for afterbirth abortions. Mm. What in God's name is that? It, it, It doesn't even exist. The problem is Democrats don't counter it. Uh, like, I've I heard no messages. Uh, I know I'm listening to TuneIn. Um, I hear attack ads against Sherry Beasley all the time. I hear mm-hmm. attack ads against Raphael Warnock all the time. They are the deciding vote to make sure that uh, abortions are taxpayer-funded uh, and that abortions are legal for any reason uh, on demand. They're going to have a drive through window. Uh, you're going to do it, you know, even as the baby is coming out. <laughs> Um, you know, here, here in South Carolina, I am absolutely disgusted by all the ads for Henry McMaster, the governor. Mm -hmm. I see almost no ads for the Democratic challenger Joe Cunningham. Democrats don't even play here. Like they they won't even try here. Henry McMaster's entire thing is I stopped Joe Biden from shutting you down. Well, the initial shutdowns were during the Trump era. Um, Mm -hmm there wasn't a whole lot of shutdown by the time Biden was president and, you know, 2022. So, um, um, when, when he says that I saved you from the shutdowns, what did you save? I like, I don't even, it's been so long. I don't remember how many South Carolinians died because governor McMaster said, there's no point in shutting down. Don't wear a mask. Democrats aren't even countering the narrative.
2: What would and you want to hear? Saying, what do you think Democrats should be saying?
5: What should Democrats be saying? First off, mm-hmm. um, was it the 2018 election when we were trying to defund the police? No politician wanted to defund the police. As a matter of fact, the only the only politician that advocated for that was Cory Bush, and she won on it. Mm-hmm. Um, abortion, abortion is already illegal past the, the third trimester. It's only it's only doable. In the case of the, the the fetus is already gone and the mother 's health, like why aren 't we putting truth out there? Counter that narrative first off uh, or, or and w- uh, specifically with McMaster, he says that uh, Democrats wanted to shut down the country for two years. No, at that time, the narrative was we need to um, lock down for two weeks if we locked down for two weeks, everybody that has the uh, the virus would have you know already had it passed. The virus itself would have died off, and then we can go back to normal business. The reason that we had to shut down for almost two years is because Republicans refused to uh, shut down once they found out that the virus was killing brown and black people more than it was killing white people. Why aren't we putting that message out there? I want to hear truth. I want to hear facts. I want, I want Democrats to do exactly what Republicans do, and I want them to lean into their base. I want them to take care of black people, minorities, the people that they they currently know are their base, and they're ignoring trying to get people that look like me but vote like Trump. Like, they're ignoring progressive, They're ignoring young people. They're ignoring really everybody trying to chase that phantom white male, white female moderate conservative voter, and it's never going to happen.
2: Oh, not. Um, well. You know what? I hear you from from your mouth to the Democrats here. I'm like, you all. I mean, you should be talking about all of the economic measures you try to institute that Republicans fought against. They should be doing that, but they're not. But even even though they are not. Uh, well, even though they could be doing this things better, I do hope that people will vote in that direction because that's where we have the negotiating room. I think that when if the Republicans get in, we will have no negotiating room, and it's not going to be good for most Americans. I really – that's my belief. I'd like to be proven wrong, but I know that whoever gets in, we're going to have to advocate no matter what. Uh, you, we have to push. We have to push. I wanted to give my brother from South Carolina a, one more word before you go. Daniel? Mm-hmm.
5: No, I, I, um, I just, it, I'm, I'm also disheartened by seeing uh, the, 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 lack of energy in the Democratic Party. I get it. I'm, I'm not energetic about the Democratic Party, but I am energetic as far as getting out the fascist Republican mm-hmm. Party. So oh, uh, we go vote and suck it up and chew on the, um, or, or uh, vote, vote blue no matter who.
2: Vote, 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 everybody! Vote, 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 vote. Daniel from South Carolina, love it, love it, love it. And we have got, uh, a, we've got one of our Hi. dear, dear friends, someone who gives us so much hope, Attorney Aaron Connolly, uh, State Representative Dalia Ramirez, who is set to make history tomorrow. We're so excited to have you with us. And oh my goodness, you just heard Daniel from South Carolina. Uh, this is one of the things, because, I mean, you're campaigning on the ground. I mean, it's just, you know, so what are you hearing that people are needing, state representative?
6: Good morning. Thank you so much for having me with you this morning. Of course. I mean, what he said and what's happening and how he feels in South Carolina is often what I'm hearing from people here as I knock on doors, and not just in the city in suburban parts of the uh, of the state where people are saying that I'm still hurting.
3: Mm-hmm. And
6: we've done we've done some good work in the last few months. We've expanded more health care access, particularly for our seniors at the federal level. We've passed some clean energy legislation. We've provided some student forgiveness. We, you know, we've provided resources, emergency relief, um, but it's still the reality that people are hurting. And I think what what voters are saying is don't walk in here bragging about all the things you have done. Start with recognizing that there's still so much more to do. Mm. And, And I think that has been key for me, that when I've walked in with all the bullet points of what I've done, at the state level, and then when I hear people talk about all the things that you know we've bragged about that we've done at the federal level, people look at me and say, "But milk is still six dollars, but gas is still five sixty
2: mm-hmm. nine I mean, when still, you so, wait true. a minute! When you hear that it's three and four dollars a gallon, I'm like, "Where are you?" <laughs> <laughs> in my neighborhood,
6: well, like that. <laughs> well, you're, not, you're not in the city, um, it's, it's down, right? It's down to, to I've seen it. I've seen it as low as four sixty nine in some place, in some places. But people are still struggling, right? And, and I think, Santita, to the extent when we're talking about housing, when we're talking about all the basic things, people are still struggling more so. And I think the other recognition is, and I think to to his point is. This pandemic nearly killed so many people. And those that it didn't kill physically, emotionally, and mentally, it's left us in a place we are still recovering from. Mm -hmm. And I think to have an acknowledgement of what that does, right? We look at supply chain. You know, you hear me oftentimes talk about my mom. But my mom is my perfect example of the reality of our country and the work we must do. She came back from visiting my, my, my sister in Florida. Um, having really bad back pain, and she had pulled a muscle. She, needed to, she went to urgent care the night before, and then the next morning she went to go pick up the medication. Well, they ran out of medication at Walgreens. Hmm. They told her, ma'am, we're waiting. Um, we don't have this particular medication, and unfortunately we had to close the pharmacy early because we didn't have staff come in. This is the reality for so many people. So we have to acknowledge that we have to work and in a workforce, that we have corporate greed and the pharmaceutical companies continue to benefit at the expense of people dying, and then we have to have a clear plan on what we will do and why we will leave. Hmm.
2: We're talking with state representative, soon-to-be congresswoman-elect, Daley Ramirez, and um, just about how we're living from day to day. I mean, as you are campaigning, and I mean... Wow, you're polling beautifully, and I'm just—I'm so excited for you. What are you saying to people? That is, um, because you've had, you have a long service of pub, you have a, a long record of public service. But what are you saying to people that has got people so excited about your candidacy?
6: That I hear them, that I see them, and that I am them. And I know it's pretty corny and basic, right? it feels like, but, but people want to be heard. People want to be seen, and people want to know that you are going there for them and for you, and in, 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 your, in my case, right, that it's personal, that I know what it's like to have parents who can't afford um, their Medicare supplemental, that I know what it's like to come from a family that's having a father who's still trying to figure out a part-time job in his 70s because he worries about paying for the supplemental and how to replace the roof on the house he's owned for 30 years, you know that that I will fight, like how, so that we move towards universal childcare, that we move towards Medicare for all, and that the current Medicare system needs some improvements, right? Because people have said to me, well, the Medicare system today, you want Medicare for all, for those that don't understand Medicare for all means, right? But it's not working for me now. No, we have to improve that system. So that we are expanding access, but also quality. These are the things that people need to hear. And it's the economy. It's the economist economy. While we have to talk about that on the ballot, life, our lives, our bodily autonomy is on the line. We have to talk about that. Our future is on the line as well. And, you know, I would, I would tell you that I've heard my the Hispanic pastors are with me the Hispanic pastors are with me um, I'm not sure which pastors are with him <laughs> I haven't met one that is but, but but here's here's the reality that fertility treatment is on the line in many states right now mm. that people like me who had a miscarriage unfortunately a year and a half ago I went to a painful process through that, had it been an atopic pregnancy in certain states and what Republicans want to do at the federal level would have meant that I could have died from an atopic pregnancy. Hmm. Those things have to be front and center when we're having conversations about reproductive health. And when people hear and see the authentic leadership that's not going to be bought by corporate greed, they can be, begin to believe that one of their own is going to represent them for the very first time in Congress. We need working class, kind of everyday people to run for Congress, <laughs> to find ways to run in the midst of billionaires trying to buy elections, right? Oh. We need to make sure that we support them to get there and, and, and help them move on the policies that our communities are begging and dying for.
2: Mm, we're talking with State Representative Dalia Ramirez. Can you stay with us for a little while longer? I, I know you got to go campaign. I know you got to campaign today. I know it. I know it. We're going to have Texas Harris County Commissioner Rodney Ellis, who's going to be coming on with us to talk to us about what's happening down in Texas. I mean, these races are of tremendous consequence, Attorney Aaron Connolly. Wherever you go, we've got, of course, uh, we've got uh, Robert Petillo with us from the Rainbow Push Coalition. Of course, you're part of that family. Um, we've got less than a minute, Attorney Connolly. These races are so important. I mean, and when you hear State Representative Ramirez say, hey, wait, 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 you know, not just, not just our right uh, reproductive rights, but, our, but the whole process of reproduction is on the line. Many of us don't know that. And here we have the highest rate of mor- maternal mortality, State, State Representative and Attorney Connolly, in the industrialized world. How does that happen? That's what's on the line tomorrow, everybody. Attorney Erin Connolly, less than a minute.
7: Well, thank you, and thank you, Representative Ramirez, for bringing up that important point. And when we take a look at this issue, when we're looking at reproductive rights and health care for all, right, that's really what we're discussing here. And when we see the effectiveness on the messaging, for example, in Kansas during the primary, we talk about the impact on our medical community, on the efficiency of our medical system to, to be able to legally save women's lives. That's really what we're talking about. And that is really what, we're, what reproductive health care in this issue is about. We're talking about saving women's lives. And as you mentioned, the infant mortality rate, the maternal mortality rate is higher in the United States um, than many other countries. And the reality is, is that number is more dangerous for black and brown women in our medical system. Imagine what is going to happen when these laws take effect in places Mm -hmm. like Arizona, Tennessee, Mississippi, where these medical procedures are restricted. Doctors are now at risk for performing them and are at risk of losing their license. This will have impacts beyond the individual. And that is enough to make sure that we are voting our whole ballot that we're voting for judges and the Supreme Court and other positions that will uphold a woman's right to choose, that will protect reproductive health care and understand that it is way bigger than just individual addiction.
2: Absolutely. Stay right there. More of the Santita Jackson show in just a few minutes.
0: We can change the world, change the world.
1: This is the Santita Jackson Show.
2: Hey everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show one day before the midterms, everybody. Hope you'll be joining me, of course, Santita Jackson of WCPT 820 in Chicago at AM 950 Radio, the voice of Progressive Minnesota, and the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel. I hope that you'll be joining me at starting at 6 o'clock, going to be there all night long. Well, it's at least late in the evening at the uh, South Shore Cultural Center at 71st and South Shore Drive. We have a watch party. We're going to be watching all of these election returns in Chicago, in the state of Illinois, county of Cook, all across the country. We all want to know what's going to happen in Georgia. We all want to know what's going to happen in Pennsylvania. We all want to know what's going to happen in North Carolina. We all want to know what's going to happen in Texas. We've got Attorney Robert Batillo with us. We've got some callers. We have got uh, we've got Attorney Aaron Connolly. We have got State Representative. Delia Ramirez, who is on track to become the first Latina to go to the U.S. House of Representatives from the Midwest, we are so proud of her and so excited about what this will mean for all of us. You mean so much to all of us, and we're so excited about you. But we are welcoming to the show uh, someone who I hope you get to know as time go as time moves forward, uh, because he is he is an absolute jewel. No one, he is a master of. Of local, state, and national politics, quite frankly, and global politics, uh, Texas Harris County Commissioner uh, Rodney Ellis. I've learned a lot about the importance of county politics. You know, because when he left the state Senate, State Representative Ramirez, I was like, mm, "This is curious." But then when I looked at uh, what he w- what he is able to do as a county commissioner. Uh, their county is just just behind Cook County as you know the largest in the country. There's so much that he is able to do, um, so many so many things that he's able to enforce just from that seat. It means so much. I'm so glad you're with us today. Talk to us about what's happening in Texas. You've got Gregory Abbott. You've got Beto O'Rourke. Oh, should we pay it's, attention to these It's down to the
8: wire, and we are uh, oh. we scared to death. We're scared to death, Santita. Uh, You know, I I saw a great article somebody sent me. I read it about midnight in uh, Georgia, a quarter of a billion dollars in that Senate race. And I guess our gubernatorial race is about $200 million. But, you know, it made the point in the article that at some point you spend so much money, you saturate the airways so the public just tunes it out. And then about the best thing you can do after folks have pushed to the separate camps is Do you have the money to get your base out, to knock on the doors? So if it was a matter of money, Beto didn't even need to run because the assumption was he never raised as much money as Abbott would. He raised an unprecedented amount of money for a Democrat running for governor. And he had to stop when Wendy Davis was running. You know, she's in the Senate with me after her Mm -hmm. famous filibuster. Uh, you know, about the last two weeks, it's kind of tough. You keep reading the polls, saying you're down. The polls are based on people most likely to show up. But what they don't account for is whether or not you can get people out who don't always show up, the ones who don't answer phones. You know, now you're calling people on their cell phones. I don't know about you. I don't answer posters. <laughs> and hey, you know, we're operatives. Somebody calls me wants to know how I'm voting. If I do, I give them the opposite to throw them off. But it's a shoe leather. So yeah, were, we were so happy that the Astros, I don't want your fans in Philadelphia to get upset because we need to win that governor's race. I was impressed with Shapiro <laughs> and Petermanos. I don't want to get them upset, but just saying the Astros did win. But I'm happy so for Dusty Baker today. Come on now. Oh, yeah, I'm so proud for Dusty. Now, you know, I am worried because today school's out, which gave me an idea. I need to push and ask the superintendents, do they have the uh, independence to cancel school? On general election day, but the school's wow. out. by three of our major school districts, isn't it interesting? I'm glad that they're going to go to the parade, but with all this anti critical race stuff, stuff that can learn in, learn in schools in Texas, maybe we need to advocate closing the schools on election day. But my point is, we're worried. I'm going to let them call my name out. I hope nobody, not many people from Houston listen, but no, I will not be in the parade. I will be out here looking for folks, (laughs) making sure people are knocking on those doors, and they'll have to do it later. And they're going to have to call and drag people out tomorrow. Tonight, uh, Ruth Simmons, president of Prairie View, former first black woman to be president, first African-American to be president of Ivy League. She's President Mm -hmm. Brown. She's Prairie View now. She's stepping down. But she has, I think, the head of the uh, Carnegie uh, Foundation uh, in town for a dinner tonight. I'm going to tip out that dinner. I'm going to do a telephonic town hall meeting with uh, State Representative Symphonia Thompson, uh, my mayor and someone else, who are we call it, we're gonna call those African-American voters who have not voted. You know, this isn't exact science now. We know who has not voted. I just wish we had the nerve when it's over with to call them back and say, well, I hope you're having a good morning because you just woke up to a nightmare if we lose. All, all those things that my county is doing that normally we we wouldn't do. Some folks just say back to the basics. You know what that means? As your dad used to say all the time during slavery, everybody had a job. It was full employment. You got me. Everybody <laughs> knew what they had to do. Didn't get paid, but you knew what you had to do. Do this to get a whipping. Do this to oh. get a uh, but, but you know, we we will know. It'll be a late night. You know, I mentioned to you, our county chair. They spent fifteen million dollars, at least counting independent expenditures, nine million dollars opponent raise. rates. Uh, who is uh, who was Latino, by the way? Two Latinos. Mm-hmm. With Lena Warren, she was twenty-seven years old, thirty-one and battle-tested and scarred. Now, thank God for Beto. He mm. has been in Houston Harris County so much spending an unprecedented amount of money, working until the end. And, look, I'm hoping it's an upset. All the conventional pundits are saying that that race, that he does not have a shot, but he hadn't stopped. And if we stopped, you know, if your father had stopped in 84, mm-hmm. there's no way we would have made the games that he raced, that, that launched so many careers, like mine. You know, I won in 83, but it's because Mickey Leland and I were carrying uh, his, his, his bags in Houston, they gave me a base. They gave me stature, you know, to be able to run. Uh, but so Beto's doing that. Now, I hope he pulls it off. This will be the third go-around. You know, in this business, Congresswoman elect, soon to be, you know, sometimes they say, third time you out. So there's a lot on the line. You got me? After mm-hmm. a, a very respectable win. But look, I looked at Georgia, uh, and, uh, and, and it gives me hope to see just how well Stacy did. And Paved the way for Warnock. It gives me hope to look at what happened in Florida to have gotten that close to say maybe Val Demons has a shot. Uh, Mm -hmm. But look, it'll be a nail biter. It will be a nail biter. It will be a nail (laughs) biter.
2: Do you, um, do you know? And I'm just wondering, what about coalition politics? I want to ask you that, Commissioner Ellis, and then you, a uh, state representative Ramirez, soon to be congresswoman Dalia Ramirez from the great city of Chicago. What about coalition politics? Of course, we've seen this blow up in the in the city council in in um, in Los, Los Angeles. Angeles, and it's been heartbreaking because these, at least one of the persons involved in this is a dear friend of mine, who I yeah. still love very much. Gil Cedillo.
8: And I remember Gil from way back. I think yeah. Gil used to be in the Assembly and in the Senate, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely.
8: Yeah, yeah. In fact, when that happened, like, you know, when you've been around as long as you and I have, I pulled my Rolodex, which means your dad has, I still call it a Rolodex, my contact. <laughs> and his cell was in there. So obviously I've known yeah. it for a long time to still have that cell number. And, and he answered, of the way, when I called. But look, first couple of points. You know, when we have a coalition, our tent is a big one, and it creates challenges. You know, it's sort of like a a, a big, diverse family. You got me? When you got these, at least and I have a blended household. So we got to walk on eggshells. You know, I'm sure there are some things she can say to her daughter, I can't. There are things mm-hmm. I can say to my daughter, she can't. Or they got to forgive me for it. So first I want to make the point, if somebody... Take a private conversation between you and Reverend Jackson. You may say something about Rodney. If it's taken the wrong way, so you know that Rodney is what they. You know. Uh, so first, we all have to be careful because so much is transparent about what we do. But I do want to say I get it. You know, in, in my in my commissioner's precinct, when I got here, they packed all of the, these big 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 seats, Congress woman-elect, so 1.2 million people. My Senate seat had a little under a million, about 900,000, but I have 1.2 million people now. They packed all the Democrats in one precinct, so you have four Republicans on the governing board, one at large, three precincts, and then one Democrat. Well, I unpacked them, and I gave Democratic voters to the Hispanic uh, county commissioner to help him win this go-around. He's spending $3 million but, you know, it'll take that to hold on. I, I I moved some of my folks around so that another Democratic seat could be uh, could be won. And I agreed to back a Hispanic woman, not because she was Hispanic, but because she was a judge. We thought she could raise money. she worked work hard. She had the credentials. She's the strongest candidate. And I endorsed her, by the way, against, I think, two African-Americans in the race because I thought she had the best, best shot. And we fighting like heck together there. So here's the point of making. I get it when people want one of their own. I don't knock Mm -hmm. that. Absolutely. Black people want women want it, men want it. But when it's a big tent, you got to be big enough. First of all, I want somebody who thinks like I think. I don't Mm -hmm. care what they look like, where they come from, who they love. I want somebody that philosophically shares my values. But I'm 68 years old. I'm not sure I understood that at 29 when I went on city council. But I do. I do now. Yeah, but so you got to you have to figure out how we work together when we have more in common than we have apart, It's fine to have a, a black caucus, a Hispanic caucus, a GLBT caucus. you got to have those. So they spearhead those issues. But you find common ground to work with people and forgiveness is a part of it. You know, I look, I would defy anybody, particularly as candid as I am. A state representative, you know, uh, if somebody just grabbed every one of my private conversations when I'm on a bicycle, <laughs> some stuff I'll say to Jonathan, you know, or he'll say to me if, if it was taped, you know, so you just got to give people some latitude to get over. But it takes a lot of heal. And we, we had a we have incident here where somebody put out in Spanish, I assume a Republican group. I don't know. They didn't they, they didn't disclaim it. So that means it was illegal. And it basically used the N word in Spanish. And here's what it said. Blacks vote for Democrats. So Republic so Hispanics should vote for Republicans. Now, why are they doing that? First of all, they're doing it because they want to we do something as leaders or they assume it's common in most societies to play people against one another who have the least in the group. Among us, mm-hmm. and that's what they do. That's how people, you know, in the old days, Harold Washington used to love that song. Nothing from nothing leaves nothing. Leaves nothing. You got me. Which is why he made the first Hispanic chair of the school board. Remember that, Santita? That's right. That's uh, right. Munoz. Munoz. That's is he's still right. around, he made Munoz the chair of the, the chair of the school board uh, back when there weren't nearly as many Hispanic elected officials in. Mm-hmm. Cook County in Chicago, as you have now. So we got to be willing to reach out because that's how we survive. And look, our society is very uh, mixed. And we got to figure out, as old Rodney King said, Now be quiet, how we can all get along.
2: How we can all get along. I mean, because coalition politics, like I said, on the day that uh, Bernie Sanders, specifically a white Jewish man, came in and was tapping. Jonathan Jackson, Dalia Ramirez, touching, you know I mean, just touching a rainbow. And, of course, he will tell you he came out of the Jackson campaign. Uh, Dalia what about coalition politics moving forward?
6: I could not agree with Commissioner Ellis anymore. Look, I think we need caucuses. Of course we need caucuses. And there are some few things that are very specific to a caucus. But that caucus work must move into multicultural coalition building its the reality. And like, when I went to the state house five years ago, I said, how come the Latino caucus doesn't work with the black caucus in a real intentional way, because after I check criminal justice reform economy and racism, it's both of us, but that Republicans and white supremacy have always found ways to divide and conquer. There is a reason why Republicans right now, are targeting Latinos in the way that they are, they are so afraid that when black and Latinos come together, we have a power that is not even just for the moment, but for the next 10, 15 years and transform the way this country works and who it serves and to making sure that those most impacted by a broken system, by a system of oppression and racism are finally at a place to be able to change it and make it a world better for everyone. That fear is such that they're investing millions in dollars of this Myra Flores in Texas. They're investing in Texas 15. They're investing here in Illinois because they're saying, Oh, if we can get the Latinos, what they call it, the Hispanics, right on our side. And just do little things here and there and, and talk about the black community. Then they will start turning around and we will continue to keep power. This is about power and white supremacy at its worst or in their opinion, at its best. We need to be a coalition. And I think to what he just said, I want someone who looks like me, yes, but it is more important for me in how you're going to move to care for all people than having my own last name. I don't need another person that has my last name and is going to pimp my people the way white people have. And that's hard for some people to hear. I've made a commitment on who I'm supporting for mayor. And I'm standing with a black man that I'm supportive of because he's a partner with me. I've built multicultural with. That's the kind of coalition building we need to be be doing. And it can't be at the expense of the other. We can't say no human being is illegal without saying Black Lives Matter.
2: And, you know, and since we're all uh, visitors here, but but really you're indigenous people who speak Spanish. So let's just let's keep it 100. OK, I mean, let's just stop. Everybody. We're all here. What did Reverend Jackson say? We came over came over here on different boats, different ships. We're in the same boat now. Stop. That's right. Just stop. Right. We're in the yeah. same boat. Robert Petillo, you with me, sweetie? What's on your mind? What about coalition politics as we are moving into this? You know, into, in, I mean, into a really very, very interesting time. You have more black people who are slated to possibly go to the U.S. House of Representatives. And sometimes they have to fight to get into the Black Caucus, or they might not want to be in it. I mean, there's just a lot going on now. You've got Latinos who are Hispanics who are being recruited to the Republican Party. It seems like everything's up in the air, Robert Petillo. Well, you know, let me go to you, Aaron. I mean, it seems like everything is up in the air.
7: Well, let me just say for a second that I'm going to brag about the amazing work that Delia Ramirez has done in the state of Illinois and the city of Chicago and Cook County building this kind of coalition Mm -hmm. at the very young age of 21 when she was in the community working in her neighborhood to better the community and find housing for people and live those values, right? And I I think when we look at the folks that we're electing, we have to take a broader view. And luckily, Delia has um, formed an amazing coalition at every level of government. And I think that's the important piece. We can't forget about each part of government that has power in our neighborhoods, power in our party, and make sure that our people are able to at least run for a seat in that powerful spot. And what Delia and the coalition that she's built with the Working Families Party, with um, women's groups, with housing groups, with unions that represent the working people in the community, that is a real rainbow coalition. And I think we see that in many of these new progressive seats, and they'll have influence on, on a federal level. But the important thing is, is she's also building at the local level. So things are actually going to get done. It's not just going to be rhetoric, right? And that's what we have to implement in many of these powerful democratic strongholds, like Chicago, like other areas in the Midwest, and there's an opportunity to build power. So I'm just so excited for Delia and um, so excited for Jonathan and this amazing coalition that's coming in.
2: I'm, you know, I'm excited. You know, that we that, you know, the, the new day uh, that you've been fighting for, uh, Commissioner Ellis, that Mickey Leland was fighting for. Uh, we can just keep going down the roll. You know, it seems like the the new America is upon us, you know, and with that comes it, it, a whole lot of stuff, including. Yeah, Hershel. It, but, you know, that's you know, that's part of it.
8: Right. Well, you know, I kind of take the attitude that I have to I got to work with. Whoever the voters and the good Lord send me, you know. So, wait.
2: Are are you now going evangelical on me now that I mentioned her? I'm gonna raise
8: hell. (laughs) I'm gonna raise hell with them on my issues. But at the at the end of the day, look, I'm gonna fight uh, like the Dickens during the campaign season. Mm -hmm. And when it's over with, for at least a reasonable amount of time before we get back in campaign mode, I want to make sure we govern. At the end of the day, I want the place to work. You know, uh, Representative Ramirez, when I was in the Texas Senate, we had a small Senate, 31 members. So when when Bush became president, however that worked, and the lieutenant governor automatically became governor, I was president pro tem. So for a quick minute, you know, I, I served as acting president of the Senate, and I had to convene the Senate to pick a new lieutenant governor. We picked a moderate Republican. I came up with a secret ballot. Much to my surprise. Uh, he tapped me, to chair of the Finance Committee, 15 Democrats, 16 Republicans. So, so that meant, as I told the Black Caucus when I met with him, it would not be a sole-trained budget. So in other words, I had to get the state's budget He said the budget passed. So I said, there are things that we care about we can get, but I have to have a two-thirds vote to bring the budget up on the Florida Senate. So I had to work with, work with folks. And, you know, I had to form those coalitions. Now, once that was over with, I knew I'd only be chair for at one term. In fact, they said they knew this guy couldn't win as lieutenant governor because he <laughs> made me chair of the Senate Finance Committee. But it passed unanimously. But look, with these frictions that we have, you have black men upset because in my county, if it's a female name in, in a Democratic primary, a black female's name, you can tell us a black name. It gives an advantage. And some of the black men get upset. I saw a good brother, friend of mine, congressman for a minute over there, Kwanzaa Hall. I think I read in the Georgia paper, New York Times endorsed, uh, you know, the guy at the incumbent governance to the Stacey Abrams. And part of what was cited was, you know, black men. Oh, come on. I mean, you think about the civil rights movement. I was mainly men that dominated it. So my point is, when it's a big tent we can, look, during when slavery ended, who did they pit? Who were the first organizers of the plan? They pitted poor white people. When Jesse ran, he did well in Appalachia. They would pit people at the bottom against one of the, Of course you want to look out for your group. You got to get to know them to get them to think beyond just their group. That's right. You got me? And that's a challenge, to make it work.
2: Well, you know what, Delia... I want you to have State Representative Ramirez, soon to be Congresswoman Ramirez. I wanted to get you back on tomorrow real quick so you can let people know how to vote for you. Give us one minute. It belongs to you. What do you plan to do when you get to Washington?
6: I plan on representing community. I plan on working and expanding health care and immediately becoming a co-sponsor of Medicare for All. I'm doing everything in my power to help continue to expand health care coverage, quality health care, help our seniors and our families. Um, but what I want people to know is that that coalition building that the commissioner is talking about is exactly what we need. I intend to be a partner with the Black Caucus, with members who want to get that work done with the Progressive Caucus. And we call it the tri Caucus. If we had a voter block together, we can really shift things. And for me, this is a moment to, yes, represent as the first Latina in the Midwest, but more importantly, as someone who is committed to community and working families. I need your support. I need you to get out and vote like your life depends on it, because I know we say this every election, but every election feels like it's more real. This is our moment. And what we do tomorrow will determine our ability at the local and the federal level for the next decade. So get out and vote and get your family to vote and then come and help us pass lit. Talk to voters tomorrow on Election Day.
2: Amen to that. Amen to that. Where will your
6: victory party be? My victory party is going to be in two places. My district starts in Logan Square in Chicago and it goes all the way to the western suburbs. My first um, victory party will be in Warrenville, Illinois, in the most southwestern part of the district. And then we'll come back to Belmont Craven. And so if you visit our Facebook page or Instagram page you'll get all the details of the addresses. We'd love to have you there to celebrate and oh, for a moment
8: specifically for us before we go back to work.